Pentecost Sunday is the day where we celebrate the gift of God's Spirit to the church. As the Holy Spirit filled God's people, they began to speak the Word of God in different languages. And the people listening were amazed that they could hear God's Word in their native tongue, demonstrating that the gift of the Holy Spirit isn't for a monolithic group of people, but for everyone, anyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in his resurrection. To continue to celebrate the diverse nature of God's church, the Word of God will be read in Russian, Spanish, French, English, and Kosa. Today's reading from the Word of God comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 and 42 through 47. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind us or listen as we read the scriptures. Once again, that's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 and 42 through 47. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. At that time, children are invited to join Kids Rock through the door on your right, here the word of the Lord. При наступлении дня Пятидесятницы все они были единодушно вместе. И внезапно сделался шум с неба, как бы от несущегося сильного ветра, и наполнил весь дом, где они находились. И явились им разделяющиеся языки, как бы огненные, и почили по одному на каждом из них. И исполнились все Духа Святаго, и начали говорить на иных языках, как Дух давал им провещевать». Moraban entonces en Jerusalén judíos, varones piadosos de todas las naciones bajo el cielo. Y hecho este estruendo, se juntó una multitud. Y estaban confusos, porque cada uno les oía hablar en su propia lengua. Y estaban allí atónitos y maravillados, diciendo, Mirad, ¿no son galileos los que están hablando? ¿Cómo pues les oímos nosotros hablar cada uno en nuestra lengua en la que hemos nacido? Il y a parmi nous des gens qui viennent du pays des Parthes, du Médie et des Dames, du Mésopotamie, du Gédée et de Cappadoce, du Pont et de la province d'Asie, de Phrygie et de Pamphylie, d'Égypte et de la partie de la Libye qui est proche de Cyrène. Il y a ceux qui sont venus de Rome, il y a ceux qui sont nés juifs et ceux qui se sont convertis à la religion juive des gens de Crète et d'Arabie, et pourtant tous, nous les entendons parler dans nos diverses langues des grandes œuvres de Dieu. Ils étaient tous remplis d'étonnement et ne savaient que penser. Ils se disaient les uns aux autres, « Qu'est-ce que cela signifie? » They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Bonke ke ababekholwa babenda wonye bendlelwane ngento zonke 
baye bethengisa nangemihlaba nangembahla yabo babele bonke njengo ebethi ubani asole ngako babe izingisa ubuhlala bemqhelomnye etempileni imihlange mihla beqhekeza isonka kwizindlu ngezindlu besidla ukudla benemigcobo benolungelelwano lwenhliziyo bemdumisa uthixo benenelelwane ngabantu bonke yaye inkosi isongeza abasindiswayo imihla ngemihla kulo ilonke ibandla This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. My name is Ethan, and I'm one of the pastors here at High Rock North Shore, and I am so glad and excited and blessed to be worshiping with you today. As is our custom each week, let's all take a moment uh, before the sermon uh, to quiet ourselves, quiet our hearts, and invite the Lord uh, into this space today, because there's so much that is going on in our lives every day. And it's so easy for us, I know it's easy for me to show up full of distractions and thoughts and memories and joys and pains and, and, uh, and forget sometimes to be quiet and ask the Lord to meet us here. So this morning, let's just take a moment. Let's take a deep breath and exhale and quiet ourselves. Let's ask God to meet us in this place. Take a moment and invite God in. After a moment, I will pray for us all. Holy God, thank you for it today. Thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for the beautiful weather outside, for music and singing together, for the joy of hearing other languages. Thank you for your love for us and for creation. Lord, I ask that you will fill this place today, that each of us will encounter you in new ways, that we'll be spurred on to love you and others more deeply. Lord, I pray that all that we do will be glorifying to you and furthering to your kingdom. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Friends, I love games, really any kind of game you can think of. Sports, lawn games like cornhole, uh, word games, video games, logic games, made-up games, you name it. I love board games probably more than the rest. Uh, maybe a little too much. My wife Kayla has instituted a no new board games ban in our home because I have too many. Um, I have submitted all the formal paperwork um, to redact that, but um, no luck so far. A lot of bureaucracy there. But I love games. We have lots of games in our house. We love to play games. Uh, and I like to think that while we are competitive people, while I'm a competitive person, I try to win, I like to think that uh, we do so in you know, kind of a, a, a chill way, a fun way. You know, do I want to win board games? Yeah, definitely, you know, but do I want to have fun with people more? Also, yes, probably that most of the time. Game nights aren't usually fun if everyone leaves angry at each other, you know, and that becomes tricky sometimes, though, because turns out the way that you win board games is by looking out for yourself first. Uh, there's a game that my family plays all the time called Trash Train, and it's a dominoes game. Now, if you've never played Trash Train, here's the gist. Uh, each player has their own train or line of dominoes that you, that you build by connecting uh, you know, one domino to the next by numbers that are the same, that match. Uh, the way that you win the game is by getting rid of all your dominoes, but sometimes another player needs a little help completing their train. And they can ask you to play one of your own tiles onto their train 
to help kind of open it up a little bit more, give them more options for playing. And it would really help them. But it doesn't always help you as much as it helps them. And so my family is a phrase that we have started saying, uh, not just in Trash Train, but in all games, when someone asks for a little help and, uh, and we can't give it, we just very soberly look at them and say, I'm so sorry, but the time has come for me to look out for my own best interests. The time has come for me to look out for my own best interests. I mean, it's a very dramatic way of saying, look, I get that you need something, but uh, I'm in it to win it, so good luck with your problems and whatever you got going on. You know, it's just a joke that we, play, that we say when we play games. But I think uh, very often that's an easy mindset just in life in general, right? I mean, listen, hey, I've got a lot going on. So good luck with what you've got going on, but I'm going to look out for myself a little bit here. Our world tends to be an individualistic world, a very success-driven, very me-driven. We use our gifts and our talents to make a better life for ourselves. And maybe if we have the time or the resources, we can use those gifts for other people too. Uh, but I think the Bible often invites us into living a different life than that. And today, we are continuing our sermon series, In Good Spirit, Transformation in the Book of Acts. In this series, we've been looking, we've been going through the, the book of Acts and seeing the different ways that the Holy Spirit absolutely transformed the early church and the early followers of Jesus. <clears throat> Pastor Ali opened up our series by talking about Jesus Christ and how his life, death, and resurrection transforms our vision and how the Holy Spirit can guide, lead, and shape that vision. The next week, Pastor Bryn talked about the relationship between two men named Paul and Ananias and how the Holy Spirit invited Ananias to embrace a man whose beliefs and life choices were wildly different than his own and to call that man brother. The week after that, Pastor Gene talked about a man named Philip and how he shared the good news of Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch. We talked about how the Holy Spirit can transform our witness, how the Holy Spirit can empower us to ask thoughtful questions, to listen with empathy, to tell others about God, and to love like Christ. And this week, my friends, we continue the series by talking about one of the most well-known events in the Bible, the Day of Pentecost. In Christian tradition, Pentecost is what we call the day that the followers of Jesus first received the gift of the Spirit, like Pastor Ali said a minute ago. Now, over the past couple of weeks, I've mentioned to a few people that I'm preaching over Pentecost today, and more than one person said, wow, good luck. <laughs> wow, good luck. Not quite the words every pastor wants to hear before they preach a sermon. And I think the reason a couple of people have said that wasn't because this passage is particularly controversial or dicey. It's just kind of wild, you know? As you saw in the passage that was read for us a second ago, all of a sudden huge gusts of wind come from heaven. Tongues of fire are coming to rest on people. Suddenly everyone's speaking in different languages. I mean, it sounds kind of like, uh, like a sci-fi or fantasy novel. But in reality, it's an incredibly important moment in the history of Christian Christianity. It's the day that we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's a story that lays the foundation for a huge part of the book of Acts and the rest of the Bible as a whole. So, yes, it might seem a little wild when we read through it the first time. But I think the best thing for us to do today is just to walk through it together. Let's unpack what's happening and why it's happening. Let's just walk through it and see how the Holy Spirit transformed that community and can transform us in the same way. 
So the book of Acts starts with chapter 1, as most books do. And then it immediately jumps into Pentecost at the beginning of chapter 2. And since this, is, uh, since this is such a big moment, I kind of feel like we need to uh, know a little bit about what happened in chapter 1 first, right? Give it a little context to what happens in our passage. So let's real quick get acquainted with chapter 1. Like Pastor Ali said in her sermon a few weeks ago, the book of Acts is written by a follower of Jesus name, named Luke. Now Luke also authored another book of the Bible called the book of Luke, spoiler alert, which is one of the Gospels that tells the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So when he writes the book of Acts, his second book, uh, he kind of starts off with a quick recap of how his last book, Luke, ended. It's kind of like when you're watching Stranger Things on Netflix, and you start the next episode, and there's the quick last time on Stranger Things recap of the episode before you, right? Uh, full disclosure, I always skip those things. Uh, I remember what happened, right? I mean, it's the 80s, there's a monster, the kids have bad haircuts, it's Stranger Things, right? But I often regret it afterwards because those recaps, they're often more than just a quick summary of the last episode. They usually highlight little things that, that have happened throughout the whole season that are going to be important in that next episode we're about to watch. Chapter 1 of the book of Acts is the exact same thing. Luke highlights something that Jesus said that is super important for us to remember throughout the whole book of Acts. For many of us, we might already be familiar with the story of Jesus. Jesus is God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He was crucified on a cross, killed and buried, and three days later he rose again from the dead, defeating death and sin and shame once and for all. And Luke recaps all of that in like a sentence and a half. But he spends a lot of time talking about the last day that Jesus spent with his disciples before Jesus ascended into heaven. Luke reminds us that on the last day Jesus was on earth, Jesus said to his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift that the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus had promised them a gift, a companion, a helper after he was gone, and he tells them, just wait, that gift is coming. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, in chapter 1 of Acts, Luke is reminding his readers that before Jesus ascended to heaven, he promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to come and give them power after Jesus was physically gone. Luke is saying, hey, do you remember that you know, big part of that last episode when Jesus promised that would happen? That's about to be really important going forward in these next episodes. The disciples had followed Jesus, loved Jesus, learned from Jesus, witnessed his life, death, and resurrection. They were ready to go out and tell people about Jesus, but Jesus said, wait until that gift has come first. So the disciples wait. They make sure they have good leaders in place. They spend time in prayer, and that is where our story picks up today. The disciples have been waiting for this gift. So after they've been waiting and praying for a few days, Acts 2 verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Not just the 12 disciples that we hear about so often, but most likely a big group of Jesus followers. Chapter 1 mentions a huge group of like 120 men and women who are all waiting and praying and preparing together, and it's likely that big group of people uh, that's all together when Pentecost happens. 
Suddenly this group hears something. It's the sound like a huge gust of wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. They hear it all around them, the blowing wind throughout every room. And as they hear this sound, they see something as well. They see something that looks like tongues of fire that come and rest on each of them. Now, this is more than just a wild weather phenomenon. This is the arrival of the gift that Jesus had promised. This is the arrival of the Spirit of God. And this isn't just fancy uh, imagery or visuals to describe it. This isn't the first time that we've seen the presence of God look something like this. It's like in Genesis chapter 1 where it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth, hovering like wind, like when God breathed life into dust and created humankind. It's like when God appeared to Moses, who led the Israelites out of Egypt, appeared as a burning bush, a burning fire that did not burn up the leaves in Exodus 3. This wind isn't just a crazy nor'easter. The fire isn't just a bunch of tea lights slid up around the room. It is the very real presence of God. And with the sound of a mighty wind and the tongues of fire resting on them, the Holy Spirit fills each person in the room As each one of them is filled with the Spirit, they begin to speak in other languages they had never spoken before. What a wild start to the story. And often it's easy for us to kind of stop right there and just marvel at the drama of this sight, the imagery of this sight. Imagine the swirling wind and the tongues of fire and the sound of all sorts of different languages all around you. But the story of Pentecost isn't just about a few dramatic signs and wonders. The story doesn't end there. Because this is the beginning of the fulfillment of what Jesus had promised. Jesus had said that the Holy Spirit would fill them with power and it is happening. And let me tell you, this empowerment wasn't just some cool party trick. It wasn't just so that if the disciples wanted to travel about the different nations, they could communicate with people more easily as they booked their Airbnbs. As this big group of disciples started speaking in other languages, a bunch of devout Jewish men and women from tons of different nations heard the sounds of their own languages being spoken. A crowd gathered together absolutely amazed at what was happening. These were just a bunch of people from Galilee. How would they be speaking in all these different languages from around the world? Friends, imagine for a second what that would be like. These were people from every nation under heaven, Luke says. They spoke all different kinds of languages and dialects and tongues. Luke lists 15 different nations and cities as, as uh, the group gathers together. And imagine what that would be like to be in their shoes. Imagine everyone around you suddenly speaking the gospel to you in your language, your first language, your heart language. People who aren't from where you're from suddenly speaking the language you grew up speaking or using phrases or the sayings specific to your hometown. I mean, for me, it would be like walking through Italy and suddenly I hear an old Italian woman say, y'all remember when we went to the Blue Whale in Catusa? I'd be like, you've been to Oklahoma? How crazy would that be? One of my favorite parts of this story as well is, I mean, you can't have a big crowd without a bunch of hecklers, and I love the hecklers here. Luke says, some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. Sick burn, man. But here's the deal. As soon as the crowd shows up, As soon as people start hearing their own language being spoken, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, stands up, empowered by the Spirit, 
and starts preaching the good news of Jesus to all those Jewish men and women from all those nations gathered in the crowd. He tells them about Jesus' life and his ministry. He tells them how Jesus was crucified and buried. He tells them that Jesus was raised to life again, that death and sin and shame had been defeated, that Jesus Christ has poured out the Holy Spirit upon them, which is what was empowering them to preach and speak and listen in all of these other languages. He tells them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And people believed These disciples told the crowd the good news about Jesus and those uh, who accepted Jesus. They were baptized and welcomed into that fellowship of believers that very day. Right away when the Spirit falls, they start uh, actualizing the multi-ethnic, multinational mission of God. And you might expect that to be the end of the story, right? I mean, the Spirit comes, Peter preaches to the people, lots of people come to Jesus. That's an awesome story. But there's more to the story. And if we keep reading to the end, we see how the Holy Spirit not only transforms each of them individually, but how the Holy Spirit transforms their whole community. When they were all welcomed into that fellowship of believers, it says that that group, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of these people not only radically transformed their hearts, but they radically transformed their community. Everything changed for them when they were welcomed into this fellowship of believers. The way they treated others, the way they invested in relationships, the way they served their neighbors, the way they valued their possessions, the way they used their money, all of that changed. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The story of Pentecost isn't just about the miraculous power of speaking in tongues, which it certainly is about, but it's also about the power of the Holy Spirit radically changing and transforming our communities. I have seen this transformation in our community here at IROC. As an example, about a year ago, some of us felt compelled to start serving more in our community. We had seen how Jesus loved and served people, and we thought we should be doing that more. And so we decided to try something called Serve Sunday. I've talked a lot about Serve Sunday. It's because I love Serve Sunday. But we decided we were going to go out on Sunday mornings instead of our regular uh, Sunday morning service here. We're going to go out into the North Shore and serve our community, to serve foster families, to serve those facing homelessness and food insecurity, to serve survivors of abuse. And I remember thinking as we organized this first Sunday, and if we get 40 people to do this, I'll be happy. Like, this is way different than what we normally do. So if we get 40 people, that'll be great. Definitely not getting more than 50. That first Sunday, we had almost 120 people serving across the North Shore. 
And now, not only is it a regular part of our church calendar, we do it regularly throughout the year, but we now have three other churches here in the North Shore that partner with, with us on our Serve Sundays to go and serve in their communities as well. The Holy Spirit is at work in our community here and across the North Shore, transforming our community, spurring people on to love and serve like Christ did. Because when we are welcomed into that fellowship of believers, we stop thinking it's time for me to look out for my own best interests. And instead, we are spurred on to love and serve and care for other people. I've seen it not only in the big scale of our church, but in my personal life as well. About a month ago, my wife Kayla and I both tested positive for COVID-19, and it sucked. I mean, it was really discouraging, friends. We didn't feel very good. We had to isolate. We both had to figure out how to work from home, doing projects that kind of needed to be done in person. But as we isolated, people from this church went out of their way to care for us and help us. We had friends drop off meals for us. We had other friends walk uh, down the street to our house. They stood in our driveway and talked to us through our open windows so we wouldn't feel so alone. We had people step in and help us with some of the work that we had to do. And we are not the only ones who personally feel this radical transformation of community. I've seen our church step up and provide meals for people who are sick or going through big life changes. I've seen our church give money to the benevolence funds so that we can help our neighbors who are in need with groceries or rent or medical bills. All of this is through the empowerment and the gifts of the Holy Spirit transforming our community. On Pentecost, we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the gifts that the Holy Spirit empowers us with and I'll be honest, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Because the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit a lot, and some of them are really big and sometimes difficult things to understand. Here in this passage, we see the gift of speaking in other languages. Later in the New Testament, we see a different kind of speaking in tongues, one that's more communication with God opposed to communication with others, one that requires someone to interpret for others. We see the gift of prophecy, the gift of discerning spirits, the gift of miraculous powers. We also see the gifts of the Spirit, gifts like wisdom, the gift of knowledge, gift of faith. We see the gift of hospitality, the gift of speaking truth, of showing mercy, the gift of serving others. There are so many ways that the Holy Spirit gifts each of us, and we could really do a deep dive into each of them. Honestly, we could probably fill a whole sermon series on just doing that. But today, the truth is, well, the truth is always this, but today, let's focus on that regardless of what our gifts may look like, the Holy Spirit gifts each of us in different ways so that we may ultimately love and serve God and others. And the gifts of the Spirit might look a little different for us than they did for the disciples in Acts chapter 2. Or maybe they look very similar. Maybe someday the Holy Spirit will gift you with the ability of healing or miraculous powers. Maybe the Holy Spirit is currently gifting you and empowering you with hospitality or the gift of speaking truth. Friends, there is no one gift of the Spirit that makes us true believers. There is no one gift that is more important than others because ultimately, as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, we are filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
whatever we do, whatever gifts we have, we are filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit so we can serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace, whatever it looks like. The Holy Spirit, is, Holy Spirit guides us, compels us, convicts us, and empowers us to live lives not of individualism or isolation, not of personal gain or glory, not of self-sufficiency or solo success, but to live lives in community with others, to serve selflessly, to teach and to learn, to encourage and to be encouraged, to give generously, to show mercy, to rely on others when we feel worn out and dejected and lost. And friends, that is how the early church grew. One of my favorite books that I read when I was in seminary was a book called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. And the entire book was about how the early church grew so astoundingly fast. Not because all the believers went door to door in their neighborhoods and tried to tell people about Jesus. Not because they could out-reason or out-logic other people in debates. Not even because they invited a bunch of people to church. The church grew because the, the followers of Jesus lived lives of radical love and generosity. It was so radically different from the norm. It was so different from the culture around them that the people around them just had to know what was so different about them, what made them live like this. It was in the way that they conducted business with other people. It was in the way they took others into their homes, uh, people who didn't have homes themselves. It was in the way they extended mercy and grace and love to those around them. It was the way they started putting together meals for people who didn't have food in their community. It was in their hospitality, their patience, and their generosity. It was the community-transforming power of the Holy Spirit that made them so different. It was people living into the gifts of the Spirit that they had been given. It is the power of the Holy Spirit at work that transformed their community and that can transform our community as well. That is why we do things like Serve Sundays where we go out and serve our neighbors. That's why we have life groups and parent cohorts where we devote ourselves to teaching and to fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayer. That's why we have ministry teams on Sunday mornings, teams like our Kids Rock volunteers, our tech team, our hospitality team, our life group leaders so that we can use whatever gifts we've been given to build up the church. We do these things and live this way not because the Holy Spirit trans or we do we sorry we do these things and live this way not only because the Holy Spirit transforms our vision and our stories and our witness but also because the Holy Spirit transforms our community. And friends, I don't know about you but it's easy for me sometimes to think of the Holy Spirit as something that is only at work within us individually. It's easy to think that the Holy Spirit primarily works in us in personal, individual ways, only moves in our hearts, in our minds, internally. And don't get me wrong, the Holy Spirit most definitely does those things. But the story of Pentecost tells us that the Holy Spirit also transforms our community. The Holy Spirit's work in our lives is like wind and fire. It generates a change of lifestyle. It draws others in to us in a way that makes them say, what is different? about these people. The Holy Spirit is the power which, will en which enables us to love others, to serve others, to offer our own gifts and abilities and resources to help others. It's what empowers us to come together as separate people but unified in our pursuit of loving God and loving others. So friends, how is God leading you 
to live into community? How can you invite the Holy Spirit to use you and your gifts to transform our community? I invite you all sometime uh, to spend some time this week in prayer about it because we are all invited to use our gifts for the betterment of God's kingdom. Spend some time this week in prayer asking the Holy Spirit, what gifts have you given me that I could give to our community? Spend time this week thinking and praying about what gifts or talents or resources or perspectives or connections that you have that can bless our community. And if you're unsure of how the Holy Spirit has gifted you, maybe talk about it with someone uh, you know and trust, with a friend, a family member, with your life group. Sometimes it's hard to see the ways that you're gifted. So maybe talk to someone who knows you well enough to be able to point them out to you and help you see the ways that you've been gifted. After you've prayerfully thought about how the Holy Spirit has gifted you, maybe think of one way that you can specifically use that gift. Maybe you're gifted in hospitality, and this week you make a meal for someone or invite them over to your home. Maybe you're gifted in serving others, and this week you reach out to me or someone else on staff about getting connected with one of our partner organizations that we serve and work with. Maybe the Spirit leads you to join one of our ministry teams, like our Kids Rock team, our tech team, our life group leaders, our hospitality team. Maybe the Spirit convicts you to be more encouraging, to be more gracious, to be more merciful, all of which are gifts of the Spirit. And friends, as I implore you to do those things, I think it's also important to note that so many of you in this room are already using your gifts tremendously to be a blessing to others. Thank you to those who are serving in our tech team, many of whom didn't know a single thing about a sound booth before they volunteered to learn. Thank you to our Kids Rock teachers who so faithfully teach and love our kids. Thank you to everyone who participates and serves Sundays. The love of God has been shared throughout the North Shore because of your willingness to serve. Thank you to everyone who prays for this church, who encourages the staff, who makes meals at potlucks, and who loves every person that comes through these doors. Friends, as followers of Jesus, we have each received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are forever now a community that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to love and to serve God and others. And I pray that we may continue to ask the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts and our community. And we can do this with confidence that God is faithful to do so. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Thank you that you do not abandon us to life, but that you actively step into our lives to help us, to guide us, to convict us, to comfort us, to encourage us. Thank you that we know no matter what we do in life, we can do so knowing that we are loved by you. Lord, I pray for everyone in here. I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict us each in ways that we may better serve and love you, what gifts of the Spirit we may be given. I pray that we will feel led and compelled to live in such a way that those around us might say, what makes them so different? What makes them love so radically, give so generously, and serve so cheerfully? Lord, be with us this week this month, this year, and for our lives. Help us to better serve you and love you. Have mercy on us when we struggle. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.